Hello, guys. Thank you for tuning in and for listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast, 1-24 to league table predictions for League 2 for the 2019-2020 season. My name is Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick alongside me. And for the fourth consecutive year, it's time for us to predict League 2, 1 through 24, or rather 24 through to 1. And George, this year, we've got a very kind and generous sponsor for the 1 to 24 prediction pods. Yes, Ali. These podcasts are being sponsored by Fitstairs. Fitstairs, if you don't know, are a bookmaker. You can find out more about them at www.fitstairs.com. F-I-T-Z-D-A-R-E-S. We will be tweeting a link to them as well. I can only recommend that you go ahead and sign up to it for an account with them. And as we go through, this isn't a betting show, I should stress, so don't worry too much if you're not a punter, but we're just going to flag up a couple of odds here and there. So if you want to follow us in, I guess, then that's your way of doing so. Let's get straight into it, starting with number 24. And George, maybe you could tell us what the bookies think about Macclesfield being relegated back to non-league because they are a popular pick, I'm afraid, from all the 1-24s to I've seen so far that have been published before us. And they're our pick for 24th place as well. Very difficult to be too positive here. It is. And I think you'll be surprised to hear that they are 130. So bigger than 3-1 to one for the drop. Obviously, League 2 is famously a very hard league to get relegated from because just the two relegation spots. And year on year, we see absolute shambles of teams staying up. And I think it would be a little bit harsh to say that was the case with Maxfield last season because it was a great escape and it was very impressive how they did it. But at the same time, they were pretty poor. And I think in most divisions, teams of that um, quality would normally get relegated. The key to Maxfield's season was, of course, Sol Campbell's arrival. Um, Sol Campbell had been linked to every club under the sun. He had been, um, he'd linked himself to most clubs. And Maxfield was certainly the um, least glamorous of all of those. Um, but he came in, and I think to, to everyone's surprise, um, he kept them up. It was a, they were dead and buried as, as far as we were concerned, as far as everyone was concerned. It was going to be a very short-lived stay back in, uh, in the Football League, but he came in and, and turned around very quickly. However, it doesn't necessarily all look so rosy. Um, you look at the data for last season, despite Sog taking over, in terms of XG ratio, they were still very, very poor throughout. It feels like maybe um, they rode their luck a bit, rode the crest of a wave and some good feeling at the club and, and managed to escape. And since then, it, it's just been a really difficult summer. Well-documented off-the-field problems, uh, problems in terms of paying the players, uh, and that has basically ended in a lot of the players walking out of the club, able to, to just leave because they haven't been paid, moving on to other clubs in League Two. Some of their key players, notably, really, the two goal scorers, Harry Smith and Scott Wilson have both moved to other League Two clubs. So a lot of their key players just walking out of the club, leaving for nothing. Uh, and uh, just to my eyes, not a huge amount added either. A lot of cast-offs from other, other teams at this level, um, players that those teams aren't going to miss too much. And basically Sol's up against it, essentially, is what we're saying. Uh, he was last season with a squad that didn't look particularly impressive, and he kept them up. So, you know, this is a... I was going to say it's a big test for him, but that seems harsh because even if they were to be relegated, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was necessarily his fault. 
And the fact that they stayed up, I would give him plenty of credit for that. So I think his stock is pretty high, Campbell, uh, but I don't think he's got a huge amount to work with here. And we're, we're pretty concerned, along with everyone else, about Macclesfield's future as an EFL club at this stage. Uh, and we differed on 23rd, George. So we'll go to you because you sort of got your way here. Um, <laughs> age trumped beauty and you were able to choose 23rd place and you picked Oldham Athletic. I think we had them in 23rd last year. So I wonder how much the, uh, the reasoning would have changed. Shall I read you what I wrote down as my cons in my notes? I hope you will. I can't, I've got to change the first word though, so I'll have to do anything else. Bad last season, who's your manager, who are your players, bonkers owner, Chris Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can tell by the time I got to the bottom of, uh, of League 2, I kind of ran out of time to make too extensive notes. But that, that I mean, I, I may as well just leave it at that. Uh, if you haven't, already had a look at, at Alden's squad for the upcoming season. I mean, their, their manager is a guy called Laurent Banid, uh, who has spent the majority of the last five or six years managing, In the Middle East. managing teams, beginning with Al, um, for approximately six months before moving on. Um, they brought in players from, uh, from FK Senica, from, from Ajaccio. I mean, it's, it's, it's slapdash and it's... George, seems normally to be... you enjoy... Uh clubs shopping in uh, different markets but maybe less so fairness, when I mean, the I, owner is a is a former agent yeah and uh, i mean this marvin kokos from ajakos does seem to be like fairly highly rated and yeah. be, i mean at 18 years old he could be anything it just there's enough last season to to suggest that the guys who, who are running the club don't necessarily know what they're doing i think there are certain teams your your barnsley's of the world your, your coventry's where these signings you think to yourself yes I think we know what's going on here. Whereas when you've got a former agent bringing in players, and we saw last season as well, there were um, a flurry of, of activity came in without much um, success. A lot of concerning... And, and, you add, and, and you add, you know, George Edmondson's obviously moved on, who was their star player from last season. Um, Jose Baxter obviously had a pretty torrid time, but his qualities is undenied. So, um, yeah, I, I just cannot see how this is going to end well. Yeah, a lot of the key loan signings as well. Of course, Surridge scored so many goals the first half of yeah. the season before heading back. He was never really replaced. Even Erko Vera, who uh, comes from the Basque region of Spain, wasn't able to replicate his goals to any extent. And Callum Lang, of course, was the one who, who really sort of picked up the slack and, and, and he had a, an important role in terms of goal scoring. And he has, of course, headed back to Wigan as well. So where are the goals going to come from is a concern. They've lost their two centre-backs in Edmondson and Clark is another concern. Jordan Lydon was another good player for them at times last season and Iverson in goal. So plenty of concerns for us there. I, I echo most of them, but I'm just as concerned or in a slightly different way concerned about Carlisle because I think at least with Oldham, there are a few players, including some of those that they've signed from, from unusual destinations, who on their day can be very, very good. And we saw a few performances from that team last season where they looked really, really good, but then loads that were really, really poor. With Carlisle, my concern is that they don't have the quality to have really good days uh, and that they will be up against it in a big way. Um, they're quite a long price for relegation Carlisle. So the bookies definitely either haven't clocked on to what I've clocked on to or they're just not quite as concerned. What, what is their price? Yeah, so with Fitzstairs at the moment, Carlisle are 12 to 1. Um, I should mention also Oldham, uh, also a big price at 17 to 2. So these guys aren't necessarily seen to be relegation strugglers in the market, but we, are, <laughs> but, but we both have concerns. That's because Morecambe are always at the, at the top of the relegation market, as we know. Yes, my concerns for Carlisle are reflected by the fans, really. Uh, the budget's been slashed again. Last year it was slashed hugely, but... 
through a mixture of John Sheridan and some excellent loan players, they were able to, to start the season well. Um, and they looked like a playoff team almost. Uh, and when Stephen Presley took charge, he managed to take them away from the playoffs back towards mid-table. The budget looks to have been slashed again. They've certainly lost some key players, Jamie Devitt and Danny Granger notably. Um, and it's hard to hit on, on low knees uh, with the success rate that they had last season. I'm sure they will try again, uh, but the squad looks desperately small. I think just a few weeks from the start of the season, you were looking at a squad of 16 players. Um, a lot of them don't necessarily look like they might stay. There's been a lot of question marks about Hallam Hope, one of their key attacking players. And so I'm just very, very concerned about this Carlisle side. I'm not convinced that Stephen Presley is the right man to, to sort of manage a team like that. Funnily enough, I think John Sheridan would have been quite a good job to sort of stave off relegation. But I'm a bit concerned about them. However, they are 22nd and therefore not relegated in our 1-24 to predictions. At Cambridge in 21st, George under Colin Calderwood. Uh, he took over sort of midway through last season or towards the back end. Things didn't improve that much. And, well, with a prediction of 21st, we're, we're kind of predicting more of the same. It's not looking great. I think Cambridge are the one team in League Two who could finish anywhere between 7th and 24th. Um, you look at the players they've lost. Um, they lost Giovanni Brown, crucially, and very frustratingly for their fans, to another League Two team in Colchester. Um, he is a massive, massive loss. But then you almost wonder, they were such a one-man team, could it trigger something because they were so reliant on him for his attacking output? Um, Brad Halliday has also obviously moved on to, to Doncaster, a very promising right-back. Um, the reason there's some notes of positivity is that they were uh, uh, one of those teams who consistently were mid-table for XG, for XG ratio throughout the season. Um, and they never seem to be able to follow that up with results, but that's got to be of some promise. We look at the, the trialists they've got at the moment. Um, Samuel Crothers is there on trial. Um, they've just signed a lad, as just before we started recording, the, uh, the striker from Rangers. Who, there you go. That, he sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got a, a big job because, as you say, underperforming their XG. Yeah. It's understandable when you look at what their striker options were last season. It is. And, I mean, they, they brought in a young kid from, from Villa as well called Harvey Nibs, who we don't know much about, but I mean, probably of decent pedigree. But, I mean, as you can tell from my voice, it's hard to really get excited about this team. What about um, if Wes Houlihan signs? Another, he's another one who's, who's, who's being rumoured there. John Abika, I mean, before Oxford fans listening spit their tea out um he's someone that i still maintain at some stage is going to work it out because he's got way too much talent to be in league two he's just got to stand up a bit more um so as i say they, they seem like a team who could easily be in relegation battle but with a couple of good signings and if they actually perform at a similar level to last season it won't take much for them to to, to, to do better and i think colin calderwood is someone who you know this is a job which is going to dictate the rest of his career because if he if he doesn't do this he's not going to get another job in the in the EFL anytime soon so I think as the squad as it is at the moment 21st is fair a couple of good additions could see them uh, maybe improve a little bit um, Morecambe fans are getting giddy at the lack of uh, Morecambe chat I'm afraid um, it's, it's coming to an end now Morecambe 130 favourites alongside Macclesfield for relegation with Fitzstairs um, but they are uh, our 20th place team and this represents a fall from where they finished last season in 18th after such a good end to the season. Lifted them well clear of the relegation spots. They're always tipped for relegation by the bookies, but those of us in the know now, we know better than to, to, to have them in the last two. They've been in the EFL now for 
12 seasons. Um, they have only been in the top 10 once, and that was back in 2009-10. In fact, when they immediately joined the EFL, they did quite well, coming 11th, 11th, and 4th. Uh, since then, they have only finished between 11th and 20th. So that is nine seasons between those spots and generally around your 18th, your 20th, your 21st, your 22nds even, but never being relegated. And that is testament to the work that Jim Bentley does, both in recruitment, because this is a club that loses their best players every summer to clubs that can offer them more money. That is in terms of being able to make the most out of the players at his disposal um, when they often look like they have a talent disadvantage when they go head-to-head -to, -head to most teams in this division. Uh, they've struggled to have consistently good facilities uh, and essentially just facilities that don't match a lot of other League Two teams, but they're always there or thereabouts above the relegation zone. And I think they will be again this term. Uh, O'Sullivan's the star signing out wide. I think that they look a bit thin at the top of the pitch uh, in terms of goals, but don't they always? That's kind of always the case. Um, I'm hoping to see Carlos Mendes Gomez or Lamin Yan break into the team, both young players with some talent. Uh, and the last thing I would say is if you are listening to this and you don't support a League Two team, go on Morecambe's YouTube channel. It's the best YouTube channel in the whole of the EFL. And they don't have a big budget and they don't try too many exciting or impressive things. But the behind the scenes access that you get, um, the, the ability to get to know the characters, both in terms of the playing staff and behind the scenes, uh, it really will make you fall in love with Morecambe. And if you're looking for a League Two team to support, maybe I would point you in the direction of Morecambe FC. In 19th, George, is Crawley under Gabriele Cioffi. And they had a strong start to last season but got worse and worse, basically, as it went on. Not enough to, to get relegated, but they weren't that far off, and they were pretty poor defensively. We've got them in 19th. I mean, I'm personally quite intrigued by their recruitment. It doesn't look like they've lost anyone massively key from last season, although they weren't a good team anyway. Um, but I expect them to be a bit better based on what they've added. Certainly, Ashley Nadison up front, I think, is a really interesting attacking player who scored goals at this level with Carlisle last season. Um, obviously, Oli Palmer is already there, a good target man for him to play with. And then just quite a lot of dynamic young players. Panuche Camera, uh, Bez Labala, who comes in from, from Birmingham. Don Polian, who we know shines about six games a season. Um, I, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch this season, Carlisle. Uh, uh, sorry, Crawley, I should say. Um, but not a huge amount better than they were last season. Well, yeah, and, and they've got some good players left over there. I mean, George Frankham's a decent player in midfield. Um, Josh Payne is a, is a very good midfielder with a lot of talent as well. Um, my prediction of this 19th place finish is, is a Gabriel Chioffi sacking in October, languishing in 22nd position. Harry Kuehl? And somebody, no, and oh. somebody comes in and does it a bit better. I, I just... You know, I'm not going to... We, we've sat here making coffee puns um, till the cows come home in the past. <laughs> and we're not going to do it again. But um, I'm not a fan of his uh, as a manager. He just... I have no faith in him whatsoever being able to take any club in League Two um, further than about mid-table. And this isn't a particularly good squad. They were rubbish at the back end of last season under him, to be frank. And, and I can't really see any reason why they, they would improve. Um, I agree that, that, that Nadison looks... Uh, a fair signing. I was quite impressed they managed to get him. I thought other League Two teams would have been in for him. Um, beyond that, you're looking at a clutch of, of non-league players, um, Jordan Tunnicliffe, Jack Powell and, and Nathan Ferguson, who you know, aren't particularly young. They're all in their mid-20s and it's a step up and we can't really rely on them to improve them. Um, 
it wouldn't surprise me at all if Crawley were, well, yeah, we're, we're pretty stuck in a relegation battle. Okay, mate, well, talk me through Grimsby then. That's who we've got in 18th place. Uh, you've got a soft spot for them through family ties. They were the worst team in the league for XG ratio last season, Grimsby. Uh, and they've lost Elliot Embleton. And they were inconsistent as hell. How excited does that make you for the Mariners this season? Inconsistent as hell. Yeah. Like that's hell inconsistent. Unbelievably so. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get one day to the next in hell. I just, I, I could hear your accusatory tone, so I thought I'd check out where you put them. And you had them 20th, so it's not much better. Um, not much worse, sorry. Uh, it's, it's hard to make a massive case for them. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think keeping hold of, of James McKeown is probably the most important thing that they could have done this this summer. And so far, so good because he is someone, something like goalkeepers beginning in Mook always seem to be very important. Um, he, uh, yeah, w- without him, I'd be, I'd be pretty worried about them. Um, and then they brought in James Hansen and Matt Green, who will be two uh, strikers who will give them some serious muscle up top. I think we saw last season during Grimsby's bad spells, they basically didn't even post an XG4 score in games. Um, they, <laughs> they, they couldn't, they didn't really have a pulse um, on those, on those um, graphs. And, and with Hansen and Green, that won't be the case. Even if they have to resort to going route one up to Hansen, um, those two are going to be a, a bit of a nightmare for defenders to come up against. Great. A lot of Grimsby fans who spent some time on uh, on YouTube.com have got quite excited about Moses Ogbu, who's come in from Alain, um, having scored many goals during a five-year spell at Ike Sidious back in 2010-2015. Can't say that's necessarily my cup of tea, but um, but I'll let them enjoy the prospect whilst uh, whilst it lasts. But... You know, and Michael Jolly is a manager who is clearly intelligent um, and is clearly learning. And it feels like the club are willing to invest some time in Jolly. Uh, and, I, and I do think that the signings he's made suggest that he is learning that he needs just a bit of steel in there. Um, and Hansen and Green, they feel like veterans, but they're 31 and 32, so they're by no means over the hill here. Hansen just, just 18 months ago was signed by, or two years ago, signed by, by Chris Wilder to try and help a League One promotion push. So... Um, which does seem a bit bizarre now, but it, I mean, people didn't really raise their eyebrows at the time. So I think Grimsby will improve on last season, and 18th is is just about fair. Um, a really hard team to predict we've got in 17th, and I think we can both say before we even talk about who it is, that it would be no surprise um, and very welcome if we saw them uh, much, much further up the table, uh, and that is, is Leighton Orient. Yeah, as you say, really difficult to predict uh, such a tough situation for the club this summer uh, for entirely off-field circumstances after the death of inspirational manager Justin Edinburgh who helped to transform the club that had fallen into non-league, sort of just improve so much off the field uh, in terms of of how the club was being run, uh, how to be a successful football club again, but also in terms of the relationship with its fans, in terms of the um, family spirit around the club and in terms of everyone pulling together once again for the betterment of Leighton Orient. So the title-winning campaign in the National League was one of the best stories in English football and his passing earlier this summer has obviously rocked the whole club. In terms of their prospects this season, they've got his sort of his immediate backroom staff taking them forward. Ross Embleton is interim head coach. Um, he's assisted by Danny Webb and Joby McEnough as well, who'll be a, a player coach. So in terms of um, 
the sort of Edinburgh's legacy being continued, that seems like a, a really good option. People who knew how he worked and will be able to continue the job that he was doing. In terms of personnel, there's an obvious issue in that their two top goal scorers from last season, Macaulay Bonn and Josh Caroma, have left for the championship. Uh, Charlton and Huddersfield, respectively, 34 league goals between them last year. So Lee Angle has very big shoes to fill, and he's a player who I would consider to have some talent but to have been quite streaky in the past. So otherwise, it strikes me it's quite a similar squad to the one that, you know, we're, we're National League champions and we often talk about how a good National League team should be, a, you know, at least a mid-table uh, League Two side. So I suppose having them in 17th, it kind of could go either way and, and I don't feel like either of us particularly want to make any any sort of large declarations about how Leighton Orient are going to look as, as they start the season. In terms of Port Vale, George, this was a really poor League Two team last season. It was very difficult to get excited about anything, really, uh, that happened at Port Vale last year until the end of the season when Norman Smurthwaite, who was an owner that the fans did not get on very well with and did not think had the, the club's on-field best interests at heart, shall we say, or, or not as much ambition as they would have liked, has been replaced by uh, a local couple who have immediately instilled some good vibes and a bit of support for the manager, John Askey. So we've got them in 16th. That represents a, a, an improvement on last season. Yeah, and, and I think that improvement um, was quite evident to see in the results um, when, when Askey came in. It was quite evident to see um, in the underlying data as well. So it wasn't a fluke. And Askey came into this with a massive point to prove. You know, his reputation left, not in tatters, but, but slightly, I mean, certainly damaged um, after what happened when he left Macclesfield, went to Shrewsbury, and, and very quickly it didn't work out. Um, so I, I'm quietly positive. I think Mark Cullen is a really good signing um, in from Blackpool. He's someone who's um, played the majority of his football at a higher level, who um, is an absolute, you know, he's a nightmare for defenders to play against with his, with his energy. And it's just some, some quite shrewd signings just around the place, just picking up players who are decent um, League Two players, Scott Burgess in from Berry in centre midfield. Um, Adam Crooks has come in. I mean, there's just players who you, you feel will improve the squads, and and it's just doing it the right way. Um, it's hard to get overly excited and think they're going to kind of have anything more than a promotion push after what has been a difficult um, few years. But I would say it's, it's fairly significant that seven of the players that um, were released at the end of the season by Port Vale are yet to get a club, mm. um, which I think shows uh, the quality that was lacking in a lot of areas of the squad last season. They so. scored, they were a real statistical quirk. They scored the fewest goals in League Two. They also conceded away from home the fewest goals, uh, but scored even fewer than that. So their away games were just a complete waste of time last season. It was like so few goals for... Uh, so few goals against. Uh, hopefully, they'll be a bit more entertaining this season. What about Stevenage? Because we've got them in 15th. And considering it's only a few months ago that they sort of made a late tilt, shall we say, at the playoffs, although missed out, this kind of feels like, given that, a, a, quite a big drop-off. Um, but you're sort of not that keen on Stevenage this season in League 2. No, it's another kind of data quirk again where they, they were pretty underwhelming the whole time in terms of shot data. Um, Live by the data, die by the data? Well, yeah, I think when you're, when you're kind of looking at these, I mean, there's a clutch of clubs, I think, Stevenage probably being the bottom here, where um, 
you could you you know you we're going to know that the fans listening in are going to be expecting more than this and i'm afraid to say someone's got to come 15th and there are going to be clubs who who finish below i mean we speak our friends at, at 442 said to us the other day that you know they get fans to predict where their clubs are going to come at the beginning of every season and you basically never get anyone saying lower than 15th so um and with stevenage i think it's just hard to get particularly excited um you look i mean they've got a a a plethora of decent strikers, Curtis Guthrie and Danny Newton, um, I think are two players who, who should be fairly effective at this level. They look a little bit light in numbers in midfield and at the back. Um, they weren't a team that created chances very consistently last no. season. And, well, that's, and towards, that's why the shot data was, was, you know, struggled generally. I think, look, look, we all, you know, we all looked at the data uh, before, while we did our research here. The, the other thing with Stevenage is, we believe that managers are so important for this stuff that, if a team had good or bad data last season and has changed manager, then you kind of chuck them out, right? Because you, you can't rely on, on that being in any way similar. That's, that's how important managers are. So when there's a team who's kept their manager, like Stevenage have in Dino Mamria, is it, am I right in saying, from your point of view, you can have a bit more confidence that you mm. know, it's not going to wildly change either upwards or downwards. And so if they projected as a bottom half team but finished near the playoffs... Well, then we might expect them to to project again in terms of underlying numbers as a bottom half team, and again it, it would be a bit of a quirk uh, if they were to do so again. He would have to be basically Lucien Favre or uh, or Sean Dyche, and maybe he is Dino Marmier because like he clearly did a good job last season, and he's the type of man that would absolutely love to prove us wrong, and we shall see if he does. Cheltenham in fourteenth. George, we spoke, we've spoken about them quite positively in the last few weeks and months under Mike Duff, a manager that we think has shown plenty of promise. So why couldn't we have them higher than 14th is what I'm asking. I think the last time we spoke, you were, you were championing, championing them for, for a potential top half finish. Yeah. That's obviously not far away. I think it was, it was you who put them a bit lower than, than where I wanted them at 12th. Um, <laughs> I really like every signing they've made. Charlie Raglan's a great signing. Ruben Reed's a great signing. Tavon Campbell's a great signing. Um, I even like Rohan Ince, who basically hasn't played football throughout a year. Uh, I think that Mike Duff has proven himself to be a really exciting manager. They improved massively the back end of last season. They got 57 odd points last season as well, so I think they'll improve on that. Um, they're just a team that I think, um, yeah, a really uh, an exciting team. I would say that if you're someone who likes betting on the on the handicap, they're a team that I think. Um, would be an interesting one for the season. Fitstairs have them plus 21, uh, at, at obviously at 18 to 1. If you don't understand the handicap market, I'm not going to bother explaining it to you now, but that would probably be my pick um, because we saw we saw improvement last season under Duff. He's improved the squad. And yeah, I mean, if there's any team around here that I think could be punching way up, and if there's a team that I think could be really exciting, it's Cheltenham. There's going to be teams in playoff places that you don't talk about so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, uh, I had them a bit lower than you, and that's why they're in 14th. They are at the bottom end budget-wise. You can see that in the size of the squad. It doesn't look very deep to me. As you say, a solid spine, lots of options up front now. They finished the season looking like a mid-table team. Maybe they've got a bit better, so maybe they are a bit low here, but... I'm going to need to see this new Cheltenham team uh, do a little bit more before I think they, they get above any of the teams uh, that we have above them because I think it's a fairly strong league too uh, this season with a lot of very good managers in it. So we shall move on and tell you who's above them. 13th Northampton Town. This is lower than, than most will have them, I think. Um, there's obviously something about either Keith Curl or 
his transfer business that just kind of rubs us up the wrong way. Um, because he, he certainly, he got his way, a lot of ins and outs over the summer. Um, Carlisle fans will remember that he got his way in the transfer market there with a lot of ins. Um, and it wasn't actually for the best in the long term for that club. So I hope that, you know, budget-wise, Northampton have, have, have got things on the straight and narrow because he's brought in a lot of, of League Two experience um, all over the pitch. They did improve under Curl last season. I'm just not convinced that they reached the top level here. Um, he did challenge one year with Carlisle with, again, like a squad that was probably worse than this on paper. But there's just something that's missing for us both here with Northampton and it's quite hard to put your finger on. Yeah, they seem to be a hype team in League Two this season and it seems to me that managers and, and clubs who just sign a lot of players before the 1st of July generally seem to be fancied by people. And I don't really understand why because there's nothing nothing from this list of signings that, that really excites me at all. Alan McCormack? No. Okay. Anyone else you want to throw at me? I'll probably just say no. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not... Chris Lyons has been a quality player at this level on his day. He's 33 years old now. I'm not convinced that he's the one. Harry Smith could be a good one from, from Macclesfield, but again, he was hardly prolific last season. Um, and I'm not a very big fan of, of, of Curl either, so... Um, tricky for me to get too excited about cobblers, I'm afraid. And, you know, I'm sure that they have promotion aspirations, but I think a mid-table finish uh, is more likely. Um, next up, Walsall. I think we both thought we'd probably have them higher than this when they appointed Daryl Clark. Um, news today that's been received very positively about a change of majority ownership, um, which the fans are very happy about indeed. So maybe there'll be some uh, some changes in the coming weeks that'll, that'll up this and, and certainly positive about Clark. But just... A lack of firepower, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think that is fair to say. It's hard to know. It's hard to truly trust in, in their striking options, shall we say, where you have a couple of players who offer a bit of pace, some good movement, the likes of Josh Gordon, Morgan Ferrier, skillful players as well, Elijah Adebayo, who's come in from Fulham. Um, but just at this stage, until we see it from them, can't be sure that these guys are going to be prolific goal scorers. Um, and that is something that, I think Clark has, has done very well in his career previously, in fairness. At Bristol Rovers, he had a good record of, of getting people to score more goals than you'd expect and, and selling them on. So perhaps he'll do that again this time. My feeling is that big changes were needed at Walsall and they've had not quite big changes. I don't think it's been easy for him to get in as many players that we would consider sure things at this level. So I, I think, in fact, I'm sure that they will be good at the back uh, I don't think they'll be high scorers, as you touched on. I still think some of their more talented players might possibly leave uh, before the end of the window. They've obviously lost George Dobson, who was probably their best asset. If he can mould them into the sort of team that Bristol Rovers were, uh, which is energetic and hardworking, solid at the back, but with plenty of intent going forward, then I think they could well surprise us. But just at the moment, they, they strike me as a, as a mid-table team, and that's why we've got Walsall in 12th. We've got Crew in 11th. I'm going to whip out my favourite stat. Well, I, think, I think you can take the song because I know that you're, you're, you're a Crew fan. Um, yeah, <laughs> because my full name's Alexander. Yeah. No. Um, no, I'm not a Crew fan, but I'm a fan of the fact that they had the best record in the league from Christmas onwards. They were the best team in League Two. Uh, if the league had started on Boxing Day and finished on final day, they would have been promoted as champions, which... I think was a bit underreported at the time. Uh, and the XG numbers were very good as well. Uh, their away form improved a little bit from being absolutely horrendous. Uh, but their home form was pretty strong all season. I think 
some people have got much more excited about Crew's prospects this season. We've only got them 11th, so uh, it'd be interesting to know what Crew fans think. I think I saw a couple who were a bit nonplussed that that a, a couple of people had them right up there. Um, they've lost George Ray, who is an important centre-back for them. He's gone to Tranmere. Daniel Powell, further forward, is a nice addition, I think, quite a, a, an energetic and skillful um, forward player. I, I like their midfield a lot. I'm very worried, though, about their central defence and their goalkeeper options. That away record was horrendous, and you have to wonder how much of that is down to the fact that Crew are and always will be a very young squad. Um, so, yeah, I do want them to do well, uh, and I think that they could do well. I'm sure that they could do better than 11th, but I'm absolutely not convinced about them going toe-to-toe with some of the teams that we have above them. So, I mean, it's one of those ones where we're going to talk about our top 10 now, and maybe by the end of that you'll see why we don't have crew much higher than that. In, in 10th, George, I mean, favourites for the title. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Salford are currently 15-2 to two for the title, uh, with Fitzstairs 7-4 second favourites for promotion. Um, and when you and I were discussing this, you were concerned that we had them too high, and I kind of pointed out to you that this is probably the lowest we'll have any of the any of the the, uh, the, the favourites amongst the favourites in all the leagues. And it does feel bizarre that they were priced up favourites initially because they struggled to get out of the national league. Um, we know all about the owners and about the money they have behind them. They signed Richie Towell very early on in the window, and that made it us feel as if there was going to be some assault amongst. Championship and League One clubs where they were going to be recruiting these players. It hasn't really happened. Um, There have been some promising signings, I would say. Um, Oscar Oscar Threlkold is a player who did very good things for Plymouth for a couple of years at right-back, who I know they wanted back. Carl Leatherin in from Plymouth. Cameron Burgess in from Scunthorpe. Of course, Luke Armstrong, who was on loan at Accrington last season um, to try and share the goals. Uh, They've got a lot of striking options. And you're adding Armstrong to, to Adam Rooney, who scored uh, 21 goals last season in the National League and came with a massive reputation from Scotland. Got Rory Gaffney in there as well. This is a good um, start. Yeah. You seem quite positive. But no, but my point is, so this is all good, but they're a team who came up from the playoffs, mm. from the National League, and there's no reason to expect for them to, to kick on as they did. They weren't the best team in the National League, and with a couple of decent additions, I don't see why they're going to be the best team in, uh, in League Two, they've got a, a really, really, really good manager who um, they've done very, very well to, to bring in in Graham Alexander, um, who did take them up. But, I mean, consolidation's got to be the, the, the aim of the game here. Um, and we've got them, you know, for whatever circumstance, we've got them seven places higher than Leighton Orient, who, who were quite clearly the better team over the course of the season last campaign. Um, so, I mean, it may seem like a a harsh assessment of their chances, but I'm overall fairly positive that this is going to be a good platform for them to kick on um, in coming campaigns. I'm going to keep you going here while you're still hot. Colchester United, we've got them in ninth, and I want you to talk about Colchester because, as discussed a few weeks ago, something that went down very badly with the Colchester fans, I'm just really not that convinced about them. So um, it's likely that you had them at least one or two places higher here. So talk me through what you're positive about for Colchester United this season, who we've got just outside the playoffs in ninth. Positive about Giovanni Browning from, from Cambridge. That's a coup. Um, I think John McGreal's also, um, at the very worst, a capable manager. I mean, he's had them there or thereabouts, but never there um, for the last couple of years. Um, but I've got a few concerns, just like you. Um, losing Kent to, um, to Peterborough is a, a big, big loss. I think he's been one of the standout young centre-backs in the league. 
for the last couple of years. Um, Brendan Dickinson's obviously moved on as well. Uh, and if you're looking at striking options, you're relying on on uh, Frank Nubel and uh, and Norris to provide the goals. Two guys who you just cannot um, rely on to, to score more than probably eight or nine goals in a season. So they are lacking in that respect. Again, there's big positivity around the Colchester fans. There always seems to be. And they do seem to be like a, a very well-run club with a decent manager. Um, but like you, I, I think it's hard to really... Uh, predicts anything much better than, than more of the same from last year. Yeah, I mean, they, they fell away hugely, didn't they, from what looked like a, an obvious playoff position. And they got themselves into a real pickle with their goalkeeping situation. But now they've signed Gherkin, they should be fine. Um, Kenton Smodic's leaving, as you've touched on, is, is, a, is a big concern for me. And I, I just don't think they've replaced them with players who are going to give them the same output uh, in, you know, in the short term. I, I like Brown a lot. I think Sawunmi will fare much better in a team that isn't quite as bad as Yeovil, but I just don't see them being as good as uh, as Kent and Smodic. So I don't see necessarily why they would be a lock for the playoffs, that's for sure. Uh, eighth place, Exeter. Again, a team that you wanted higher up. Um, you wanted them in that last playoff spot. So you're feeling pretty good about Exeter, but we've got them in eighth. What is it that you like about them? They're obviously a team who always seem to be in and around the League Two playoff places. Yeah, I think it's a similar thing with, with Mike Duff last season where I wasn't too keen on Exeter last season because we didn't really know much about Matt Taylor and he was taking over from Paul Tisdale who we knew a lot about. But I think he showed last season that he is capable. Their data improved as the as the season went on as well, which suggests he was learning what he was up to. Uh, a couple of really shrewd signings, Atan Garner certainly will provide some steel in, 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 in centre midfield, which will help with the loss of Hiram Boteng, which is a, is a big loss. Um, Nicky Jose, I feel, is a player who, who needs... He's basically been crying out for this for a while, is, is, a, is a new club in, in League Two where he can um, be first choice and play regular games consistently. And we've seen in the past that he is a player who, on his day, is better than League Two, I would say. So hopefully, at Exeter, he's found a home where he can put that, put that forward. As you mentioned, I fancy them to go a bit better this season and to get into the top seven. Uh, and they are currently um, 13 to five to do so with Fitstairs, which I think represents a decent bit of value, but it's not where we have them in our table, where seventh position was probably our biggest disagreement in the whole of the EFL. I think it was. And it's a team that I have always been a big fan of, but I'm now concerned but I'll let you take it off because you had them a bit higher than me. It's Forest Green Rovers. Yeah, I mean, you've got Forest Green in the bottom half of League Two in, in your first draft, in 14th. My first draft? And I had them... My well, 15th draft, thanks. In, <laughs> in your <laughs> final draft, before we stuck our teams together, you had them 14th and I had them third. And it's not often that they're not the top 20 lads have a disagreement this strong. So we kind of... Wow. Did we meet in the middle? I don't know if we did, really. I got my way, and they, they are a, a playoff team. Um, you're going to tell me why, XG-wise, this, this doesn't look like a great shout. But aside from that, this is a club, in my eyes, that basically improves year on year. Um, they were the beaten playoff semi-finalists last season, of course, uh, and lost to the eventual winners of the playoffs in, in Tranmere. And... It's kind of enough for me just to just to have them in the playoffs again, and maybe that sounds a bit stupid, but I recognise the the key departures of Brown uh, and of Doidge. I truly believe that Collins can score 
if not as many, almost as many as Doidge and possibly offer a bit more of a threat in, t- in behind in terms of pace. Um, there's a few additions to, to the midfield options that don't on paper look as good as Reese Brown. I just It's another team that I kind of believe in to, to bring the right players in to take them to the next level. So with Mills at the back, I didn't realise when we spoke about him early in the summer that Matt Mills is the brother of the left wing back, Joseph Mills. So that's a nice touch. And, really um, nice. And that's why I, I, I wanted them pretty high, to be honest. I'm quite happy not to have them in third, which is where I had them. But I'm very happy to have them in the playoffs because I do think that they'll impress us. You, you're a bit more affected, I guess, by data and transfers out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Brown is a, is a massive loss. Um, and I think that Deutsch, even though he wasn't there for half of last season, I, I still think, I mean... They've lost Deutsch, who's a star striker. They've lost a couple of the support acts as well in, in, in Tavon Campbell and, and Ruben Reed. So it's a massive rebuilding job to do up, up front. Um, I still feel like they're a club who could maybe kick on a bit more with a different manager in charge. Um, I, I feel like if it was someone, one of the managers we're going to talk about in a second in charge of Forest Green, they'd, they'd be in a better position to, to really kick on. Um, and it's easy to forget... You know, it's it's Forest Green. They're doing unbelievably well. I mean, their finish last season was a, was a fantastic effort. Um, but there are concerns over the over the underlying data. It must be said. Um, and I mean, maybe my prediction was a little bit low, but I don't think that we're going to see them get straight back into the playoffs this time around. Um, well, it's lucky that I do then, isn't it? Mm. And I'm even more bullish about this other team. And in terms of of bookies' odds, I think Newport County's prices to start the season are as surprising as I've seen, to be honest, given what they've done over the last few years. I recognise that this is a team, budget-wise, that it tends to be towards the bottom of League Two. I do believe that that slowly is changing over time, thanks a lot to their incredible achievements, especially in the cup competitions. So the last two years, they've had some fantastic FA Cup runs. Last season, let's not forget, they lost in the playoff final. They were so close to promotion they were eighth in the XG ratio tables overall, so just below the playoffs. Um, but they are consistently a team that sort of ekes the most out of the chances that they get um, and ekes the most out of the squad that they have, thanks to Mike Flynn. They had an obvious dip in the middle of the season that can be explained fairly easily with six FA Cup ties, including a replay against Wrexham, followed by a game against Leicester, two games against Middlesbrough and then Man City at a really key point in the season where they fell away only to roar back into playoff contention. They've got some fairly major losses in Dan Butler and the left-back and Joe Day, the goalkeeper. But, I mean, they haven't exactly stood still. Plenty of new bodies in at the back, a new goalkeeper in, a few different striker options added to Amond and Jamil Matt, who I think are a great front two at this level. Their way of playing makes their a nightmare opponent. They, they just seem to be constantly motivated and ready and willing to go the distance for their manager. So I'm really confident that Newport, even more so if they decide to have a, a year off in the cup competitions, could uh, <laughs> could easily be back in the playoffs. That's why we've got them at sixth. But I mean, in terms of prices, they they really are not fancied by the bookmakers. No, they're not. They are currently uh, three to one for a top seven finish. Um, they came so close to promotion last season, 11 to two to go one better this time around. And if you want to back them to win the league, that is 18 to 1 with fit stairs. So not bad, George. What do you think about Scunthorpe United? Because we've got them in fifth. Uh, they are the second of the relegation teams that we've discussed. 
and they've got Paul Hurst in charge, friend yeah. of the pod. Friend of the pod and a, and a very good manager to boot and someone who um, I think you can just trust will get it right. You look at the Grimsby team he had, he got it right there. You look at the Shrewsbury team he had where he turned around so quickly and took a team that, you know, on paper didn't look up to much and took them very, very close to the championship. Whatever happened that it was which happened, I'm sure he'll learn from it. Um, this is a really bloated squad. Um, we've, talk, we've spoken about a lack of depth in some areas. You could not level that, that accusation at Scunthorpe. Um, they have cleared out a few players, not necessarily ones that have wanted to lose. Josh Morris has moved to Fleetwood. Finzo Ojo has moved up to Scotland to Aberdeen. Um, these are guys, I think, that probably Hurst would have liked to have kept whilst there are some players, some areas where you can see a bit of Deadwood still left over. However, there is quality there. Um, Kevin Fontaine is a player who, when you catch him right, is, again, too good, but it's his, his day doesn't come often enough. Um, Adam Hamill is still there, who you really think, again, if you can get him right for this season, he could have a transformative impact on Scunthorpe. Um, they have, in the players they brought in as well, uh, Jan Songu should be a, a solid signing in centre midfield. Um, Alex Gilead, who's obviously knows Hurst from his time at, at Shrewsbury as well, is a shrewd signing. So there are players coming in who I, th I think we're starting to see the impact of, of what Hurst is doing. Um, when all the managerial appointments were made, I'm talking about Clark, Hurst, um, Lowe, uh, Low, and then to a, to a lesser extent, Boyer, because that was last season. I thought Hurst would be the one I'd want to be with the most. But I do think maybe we underestimated the level of the job that he's got here, where it is going to be, it's going to take time to, 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 for the churn of players to, for him to have the squad that he wants. So I, I, sh I think they'll be good this season. I think they'll be effective, but I think they also um, maybe next season will be the one for them. Now, I'm really happy this is going to be you talking about this team because um, I think maybe I wouldn't be allowed back to the Kassam Stadium if it was me. But uh, in fourth place, we have Richie Wellens' Swindon Town. Yeah, we got Swindon Town. And, you know, I wasn't going to reveal, but I think you actually had them higher here. So you are clearly genuinely terrified that Swindon might be playing in League One next season. And you'll have to wait for our League One predictions to hear what George thinks about Oxford. But look, this is sort of uh, this. This is quite a popular dark horse shout this season. I think Swindon. Um, they're not towards the very top of the betting. Um, but after Richie Wellens took charge of Phil Brown, um, he took a squad that was just not offering a huge amount, if you ask me. Um, overhauled the style to a fairly extreme extent. Uh, and continued to, to both get results and to massively improve the underlying performance numbers. Uh, fifth best overall record in the league after Wellens took charge. That's not XG, that's actual points uh, and some really good numbers beneath that as well that, that sort of backs up the fact that we both think he's had a great start there and, and the fact that he's able to build a squad now this summer, which he's done fairly carefully to, to sort of match what he demands from his players, I think... Um, bodes very, very well. The, the way that he plays, and we've discussed it so many times, the, the high press, the, the, the fast movement and interchange, it's, it's, it can be high risk at times. It's certainly difficult. Um, but I do believe it is a good way to achieve success and to be a dominant team. So big question mark over Swindon, I guess, is guaranteed goals. You've got Jerry Yates on loan from Rotherham. He scored a few at Carlisle last season. You've got Keshi Anderson and Kane Woolery, who both have a lot of talent and you kind of feel like one of them could catch fire, one of them could make a bit of a leap. Um, but that's probably the one thing holding us back to some extent. They've got Lloyd Isgrove on trial at the moment 
And I think if he was to join, I can't think of a player that would fit a Welland system more perfectly, just in terms of his stamina and his work rate uh, and technical quality as well. So we're feeling pretty good about Swindon. We've got them in fourth. Um, you know, we'll certainly be claiming... We'll certainly be claiming it if they're any higher than that, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing them this season in a big, big way. Now things get difficult, don't they, George? The top of League Two was a tough place for us in the last few days. Not a lot of... Well, just not a lot of agreement, really. Yeah, a bit of back and forth on our top three. Um, I got my way and who's second, and you got yours and who's third. Uh, and... You're very keen on, on Gary Bowie's Bradford. No, I didn't Bradford. get my way on who's third because I wanted them <laughs> higher. It's Bradford City and I think they look really, really strong. I think they should be higher than third, but we've compromised. We've got them in an automatic promotion place. So, you know, what's first, second and third place between friends? As long as we're all going up, it doesn't matter so much. I think they look really, really strong. The hangover from last season's disastrous campaign is the only concern for me anyway. And I just don't think it'll linger that much. I believe in Gary Boyer. I like the fact that he had a bit of time at the end of last season. The results were terrible, but he was able to uh, take stock, to immediately cull a lot of players from that squad at the start of the summer and to add a fair few as well. Now, you know, some of the additions like James Vaughan and Clayton Donaldson, they're not necessarily... They're like the headline reasons why people think Bradford will do well, but they're not necessarily my favourite part of it. I, I do think Vaughan can score goals at this level. I think Owen Doyle, who's already there, can score goals at this level. I'm not that fussed about Donaldson, to be honest, although I think he's a, you know, a good option and someone with experience at a higher level. I don't expect him to score that many goals. I noticed that all three of them started in their last friendly, which seems like a bit of an odd situation to try and shoehorn them all in. But I really like the midfield, Akpan, Palmer and Reeves. I think that in Ismail and Scannell and Jordan Gibson, who looks like he's kicking on a bit, they've got a lot of 1v1 quality out wide. So I just really think this is a, a, a team with a lot of quality. A manager in Gary Boyer that I think is incredibly safe, pair of hands, uh, has done this before with Blackpool and I think we'll do it again with Bradford with a, a reinvigorated fan base as well. Uh, I'm expecting good things from Bradford and you don't necessarily agree, but we'll keep it positive and move on to a team that you're feeling very positive about in uh, Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, I just, I'm enamoured by last season's Berry um, and what Ryan Lowe did there. And given the the way that he managed to set that team up, I think if you're looking at, a, at any manager in the in the bottom leagues who could do something like a Chris Wilder and be managing a Premier League team in, in three or four years, it's Ryan Lowe. Um, and the only reason that Plymouth have been able to get him is because of, of the sad circumstances at, at Berry. Uh, it's a massive coup they've got him in. I think Barry at times last season played football that you just don't see at League Two level. And, and key to that was Danny Mayer, who they brought in from, from Barry. And, you know, if there were people who thought that, that, that um, Graham Carey was the best player in League Two, then um, and were concerned that they'd lost him, I think they've got the, the next one in um, because he is absolute class. Some other players he's brought in from Barry as well. You've got Will Amerson coming in, um, Callum, McF Callum McFadden, Byron Moore, Dominic Telford, all players, all allies of load that he's been able to bring in and Joe Edwards as well from Walsall I think is a shrewd purchase um, Jose Baxter comes in who is a guy who has had a really tough time um, and has never really fulfilled his talent and you just wonder if the the combination of a, of a scouse manager in uh, in Ryan Lowe may be the trigger to, to get him playing good football and, and you, the way that he sets up his team to attack you must suit someone like Baxter who looks like a bit of a luxury player 
Um, they've lost they've lost Lemires, they've lost Ladapo, they've lost Songu, they've lost Edwards, they've lost Carey. There's no denying the holes in this team, but I think there was too much quality in this Plymouth team to get relegated as they, as they did last season. And the star was maybe starting to fall on a couple of those players, Carey particularly having a really poor season last campaign in League One. Um, but this is all about low for me and Mayer. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there are going to be more signings made. Um, still some holes at the back, it's got to be said, especially at centre-back, although I do think Amerson will do well there. Um, and, and at full-back, maybe some problems as well. But I think there's enough attacking talent on on available for Ryan Lowe to, to be able to turn them into something really effective. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely not as convinced. Uh, I'm happy to go through that on Twitter if anyone wants to <laughs> to ask why I'm not as keen on Plymouth Argyle at the Makaleli role, but they certainly, with Danny Mayer and Ryan Lowe at the helm, are going to be very entertaining to watch. And we're left with our champions, just one team left, George. It's a team that we have expected to be promoted the last two seasons. This time last year, I don't exactly remember where we had them, but we certainly had some question marks over whether their manager was the man to take them up. That was David Flickcroft in charge of Mansfield. Famously did not take them up, falling at the last hurdle uh, in the playoff semi-final, uh, having lost a key game on final day as well, which was basically a playoff in itself with MK Dons. There's no way Mansfield should still be in League Two this season, is there? But here they are, and in John Dempster, they have a rookie manager. Essentially, we're saying the only real question mark about this Mansfield team is, is the rookie manager, but just not strong enough to put us off them being champions. Well, exactly. And, and because I think Flickcroft was a bit of a negative for a team who deserved to go up last season, basically. Um, of course, they've lost Tyler Walker for the time being. Um, we don't know where he's going to be playing next season. It seems unlikely now it's going to be at, um, at Forest. Um, but they brought in, I think, two really shrewd signings in Nicky Maynard and Andy Cook. Um, Cook was someone who was very, very good at Tranmere, um, struggled to make an impact at Walsall, but I think most strikers would have done. Um, and given you know an attacking team, could be really good here. Maynard obviously put a few years of bad form to bed. Uh, at Berry, and it's, it was a surprise to see him sign for uh, for Mansfield rather than Plymouth. Um, but again, if they continue to to have the XG numbers they had last season, where they created the best chances consistently over the course of the season and gave up, uh, you know, their XG ratio was fantastic. Um, and Dempster was a part of that coaching squad as well. I think it's just got to be con continuity. And uh, Flickcroft is a manager who, as a characteristic, has bad spells, and hopefully that'll be gone with this. And, and I think they look. Um, pretty impenetrable um, at the top end of, uh, of League Two. Mansfield League Two champions, according to Not The Top 20 podcast on Monday, 29th of July, 2019. George, what price would you get from Fitstairs if you wanted Mansfield to win the league or maybe a Plymouth or a Bradford? So Mansfield are 17 to 2, our picks. Bradford favourites at 13 to 2. Plymouth are 9 to 1. In the promotion market, you've got Mansfield at 21 to 10. You've got Bradford at 13 to 8 and Plymouth at 21 to 10. Um, and then just in the top seven market, I'll read out everyone we had in there as well. So Swindon are 2 to 1, which looks a decent price. Scunthorpe, 21 to 20. And as I said, Newport, 3 to 1. Forest Green, 13 to 8. You can find all of Fitstairs' prices if you go to www.fitstairs.com and we'll also tweet out a link to the site so you can sign up, get yourself an account and get those prices. Guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to this League 2 1-24 to Predictions podcast. 
Ali Maxwell and George Ellick from Not The Top 20 podcast signing off. We hope if you've enjoyed this and you're interested in the other two EFL leagues that you might go and listen to our championship and League One versions of this very podcast. You can find them wherever you found this one. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe and be a part of our EFL coverage throughout the season. Follow us at NTT20pod to be part of the EFL conversation. And we just thank you again for listening.